0: Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by a wonderful company, Creation to Revelation. This group of Christians believe it is extremely important that we teach the Word of God to our kids. They have original graphic illustrations from the beginning of the Bible to the end, featuring the beautiful and consistent presence of Jesus throughout. You can explore all of that at creation 2 I'm so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, it's good to have you listening in today. Let me begin this episode by saying that this week's title is not good. I mean, really, don't message me this week going, Chris, I think Pride Prevents Promise is a great episode title. It really isn't, and I know it. It is true, pride does in fact get in the way of the promises that God has planned for your life. But using alliterations for emphasis, that's like 20th century stuff. And while it's not clever, for me at least, it is nostalgic. Way back in 2003, I think I was maybe 24 years old, I built out a sermon from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Where it talked about all of the wonderful things that God had done for Israel and how they allowed the basic trappings of pride to lead them astray, and it pretty much cost them everything, including for most of them entrance into the promised land. And I can still just barely remember preaching that sermon, though today I hope to share a little bit of it with you. But I got up this morning thinking about it, and I went to the laptop and I typed in pride prevents promise, and there it was both the slides and the notes. And as I've been going through it this morning, it just seems more vital in my life than ever before. Everything good God wants for me in this life comes from a place of humility. It was exemplified in the life of Jesus, and I can assure you that it is true in your life as well. As we've covered in recent weeks, when we are humbled by gratitude, by what God has done for us, much of which came before you and I were even born. And when we look at the things that he provides for us every day, including great promises for an eternity with him, how can you not be humbled by his grace? We understand how unworthy we are, and it builds great appreciation in us. And God wants to use that humility. In fact, as we've been discussing in these last few episodes, God has tremendous plans for your coming year related to to a proper assessment of yourself. When you and I understand that we are a part of something valuable and eternal, that if we buy into the hype of making things on this earth about ourselves and our flesh, pride wells up within us and pushes God away from us, which leads to our destruction. There are a couple of things that took my mind to that old sermon this morning, both of which are related to the book that I've mentioned recently by Kevin DeYoung called Crazy Busy. Do you remember some of the things that he told us in last week's episode about how you calm that crazy, busy mind? How it is that you find peace in a rejuvenated personal perspective? He said things like, you need to understand that you're not Jesus, and you've not been called to be Superman, and you can't do everything. And by the way, not everything has to be done by you to be done well. I don't know about you, but those are very humbling and needful words for me. The list from last week went on to say that you can't do everything, but you can care about everyone. You can devote your life to caring about other people. You can pray for people right there in the moment. You won't be the answer for everyone, but you can believe that God has given you gifts and abilities and a circle of influence in which to exercise them. The answer to everyone's problems will not always feature you because then it would very quickly become about you. But you can be assured that from a place of gratitude and perspective and humility, God will use you in amazing ways in your family, in your local church, and in service, taking pride not in you and what you get out of it or how you service your own desires, but in how God is able to utilize you for his glory and the lasting, perhaps even everlasting effects from your humble service and contribution to something bigger than yourself. And as I think you'll see today, and I hope this brings tremendous clarity to your planning for next year, an overt and prideful focus on yourself, even though it may be disguised in the service of others, more on that today will always take you further away from what you're seeking. And to help make all of that really clear today, I want to share with you a list of words from De Young's book related to the concept of pride. And it just so happens they all start with the letter P, so alliterations abound today. But for me, a few of them hit very close to home and revealed that pride was a bit more of the equation than I first was willing to admit. And while that, by definition, is a little humbling to learn, I'm super thankful for the clarity. We'll lay all that out at the end, but before we get to that, can I share with you the pride prevents promise lesson from 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Maybe you know this text well. It opens by talking about God's beautiful blessings for His freed and delivered people. It talks about how Israel was baptized into Moses when they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground with water on the left and on the right and a cloud above them. They drank of the spiritual drink and ate the spiritual food and they were standing on the rock free on the other side and that rock was Christ. All of that was because of the grace and promises of God. They were humbled by his power and appreciative for his mercy. But the next verse says, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well-pleased for they were laid low in the wilderness. Unfortunately, most of those people who were baptized through the Red Sea never made it to the promised land. And of course, that has immediate spiritual significance for you and me. There are a great many people who are baptized into Christ who will not make it to the eternal promised land of heaven. Why not? Well, the text reveals later it's because some of us follow the example of Israel Elevating ourselves to a point of worthiness and exaltation, where how we feel and what we want for our body becomes our top priority. This is all related to pride as verse 12 of that chapter says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. At some point along the way, they began to believe that they were standing on their own two feet. This sense of self-pride leads to two catastrophic mistakes. One, I can do what I want, and two, I can face every problem on my own. The second thing certainly was not true. Verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. But listen carefully, God is faithful. You needed him to be freed, and you need him to get through temptation. Only from a position of ongoing humility... In Gratitude can anything good be possible, and without him, any lasting good we labor for will be impossible now I'm going to give you four examples from the text, mistakes that they made that are very common among men of pride, but I just want to make sure you get the point today we're talking about evaluating the year and planning next year, making a priority list, and working in a way that makes you feel super optimistic about what is coming but Pride prevents promise, and the number one indication of pride is when you begin walking without God, when we get up off of our knees in front of his throne, praising his amazing name, and we start to walk on our own, because walking without God turns the focus to me. Sure, you might argue that it's still about your family and your friends and the people in your life. But a big secret you'll see in the list at the end is that without humility, even all of that is about you. So there were four warnings given to Israel in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 7 begins, Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. This relates back to when Moses was up on the mountain and the people grew impatient it's somewhat controversial in interpretation, but I don't think they were replacing God with the golden calf. I think they were replacing Moses. They're saying, we still believe in God and love God, but we want this to go our way. We want to build an idol we can control. We still want Yahweh to be pleased and we want to go to heaven, but we prefer a belief in a system of our own design. That was the moment that it became more about them than the God who saved them. If we are to receive the promises of God, we must be humble enough to know that we cannot replace him and we cannot alter his path for our lives to make it service our desires over his. Secondly, in verse 8, he says, nor let us act immorally as some of them did and 23,000 fell in one day. This was a story from the book of Numbers where they got involved with wives they had no right to be with and God sent upon them a devastating punishment. It is prideful to think that I can service the desires of my flesh and my body and what I want and somehow carry the name Christian and proclaim the greatness of God. I cannot live a life centered on my flesh and also the God who made me. Thirdly, verse 9, Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. When you dig in on that story after they had been led out of captivity, mainly it was a lot of complaining about their circumstances. Lord, we want this promised land. Thank you for delivering us, and we really appreciate you, but we're hungry, and we're thirsty, and we don't like the food that you're giving us, and this walk is too long, and honestly, we're starting to wonder if we were better off before we even began this journey. I mean, yikes. How does a group of people get to that point where they would prefer slavery with daily scheduled slop meals than freedom with God, trusting that he will provide the next meal to come? Well, I know how it happens. It's called pride. They turned their freedom in the Lord to this sense of entitlement for themselves. The Lord has set me free. Now I should be able to eat what I want and sit when I want and get what I want, and complain when God doesn't give it to me. Pride always shows up in this sense that God has not done enough. That is a very interesting story where God had serpents bite them, putting them back under the penalty of death again. And God is kind of like, look, you can look upon this bronze serpent and trust in my power to save you, or you can walk back to Egypt, see if you make it, and see what they do when you get there. I tell you, sometimes pride itself is the number one thing that humbles you because God is drawn to the humble and opposes the proud. And of course, without God, everything you're trying to prevent, with your pride, you bring upon yourself in punishment. And then lastly, he said, and this is similar, verse 10, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. This one is a little different, more subtle, and yet much more common. They didn't do some blatant thing like build a golden calf or Enter into illicit sexual relationships or give God an ultimatum. They just grumbled, complained. They had barely gotten to the end of the Song of Moses, having been delivered from Egyptian bondage of 400 years before they were complaining in the same chapter because they were thirsty. When pride grows in me, I want what I think I need and I want it now, and if I don't have it, instead of trusting and investing and working, I'll just gripe and scowl a lot. The point of all of that is that God had blessed them unbelievably, just like God has blessed you. If you've been baptized into Christ, you stand on the Lord, you have the spiritual food and drink, just be careful. You may turn or translate that freedom into entitlement for your flesh. You deserve this. Others should give you that God should be providing you with all of these things. What he is providing you is purpose in life and a faithfulness to help you through it. Humility sees that and treasures it. So just be careful going through the rest of this year and into the next. Beware of what pride does. It prevents promises by encouraging you to come up with alternate ways to get to heaven. Engage in unholy things that your body simply desires. Question if a life entirely submitted to God is really worth the while and ultimately just robs you of daily joy and replaces it with negativity and complaining. Because instead of treasuring, as we studied last week, how God wants to use you and how many people you can help and how wonderful it is, you're just stuck looking in the mirror where very few good things happen. Okay, so those are big-ticket items that can pop up in our lives, and we want to make sure to address them. But in these last few minutes, I want to share with you this list that Kevin DeYoung provided, which kind of looks under the hood a little bit for more obscure evidences of pride. Some of the things on this list you might say are great motivators for behavior and should be the centerpiece of 2023. And I'm not necessarily arguing against that, but there can be an element of pride in each one of these. And if we truly believe that God rewards utter humility, then I'd like to root pride out of my life wherever it might be found. Okay, eight things, three minutes, and I'll list them all in the show notes later. Manifestations of pride. Number one, people pleasing. This one hit me square between the eyes because I do want to please others. Others, and I thought that was a sign of humility. But if I'm saying and doing things just to appease others and make things more comfortable to me and to be approved by them, then who is that actually about? I've been praying pretty hard here recently about doing things that are good for and a blessing to others, not just to please them as some credit to my own account. Number two in the list states that more blatantly. Pats on the back. Being known by God, used by God, blessed by God, and rewarded by relationships, those are the reasons I should live and love and serve, not for the passing pleasure of accolades. Numbers three and four, performance evaluation and proving myself. The first has to do with an over-evaluation of self. I'm the one who needs to do this. I'm the best at this. It won't get done well unless I do it. To some extent, I want to prove that. I want to prove it to myself and certainly to everyone else. But I must remember that this isn't all about me. And my best work is in empowering others to exercise their gifts, not in the featuring of my own. And I'm growing into the kind of person who gets more satisfaction in seeing others reach their potential than having to try and become the person in the middle. Numbers five and six are possessions and prestige, actual things that you can put in your pocket or in your heart, validation, recognition, reward. And the thing is, we may be out doing really good things, investing in our family, in our church home, in the community, but I will be most valuable to God when those are sincerely about God and others. I knew a guy once who swept the floor in his kitchen once a year or so, and he admitted it was just so others would pat him on the back. And when his family stopped doing that, he stopped sweeping the floor. And I wonder if maybe I've come to resemble that guy a little bit. Number seven is pity. The idea of going out and doing great things, expending excessive amounts of energy, being very busy so that people will be impressed and even have pity on what an amazing servant I am. And lastly, number eight is posting. He says this, if we're honest, pride lies behind much of the social media revolution. Whether it's posting or tweeting or blogging or podcast recording, God wants to use you. I believe God wants to use me. And he will bless us mightily if our purposes are sincere. But I've become mindful of the addictions of social media recognition and have made some personal adjustments. Listen, today's episode is a little tough. It will require some measure of humility even to consider. But don't you believe that everything good in your life is because of the grace and blessings of God and everything good worth doing is in his name and for the benefit of others? Doesn't that spiritual acknowledgement have the power to transform your life and open you up to overwhelming blessings from your creator? God has assured us so many wonderful things, but our terrible title today is still an inevitable truth that pride prevents promise. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. As always, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for the email email order the three-month journal, or just catch up on old episodes. And also, if you are looking for financial advice or future planning, give John Cunningham a call today, 205-913-1720. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today, in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.